Welcome to the Strong Women Write Podcast, an extension of our unique literary group for female authors who want to write better fight scenes, strong female characters, and call attention to their work. I am the creator of Strong Women Write. My name is Chris Vaughn. Our guest today is actress and stuntwoman Michelle Elise Schock. Originally from Florida, Michelle now resides in California, and she has artistic roots in classical acting, Shakespeare, musical theater, improv, and sketch comedy, and an extensive background that includes water, horse, and motorsports, ranging from competitive surfing, scuba, and free diving, free diving to English, western, and horse archery, and dirt and street riding for both motorcycle and car. And if that wasn't enough, Michelle is a core member of the Bay Area stunt team and retains active membership in SAG-AFTRA, the United States Equestrian Federation, and is currently completing her Rescue Divers certification. Michelle spends her free time training between Los Angeles and San Francisco among some of the best in the business. Today, Michelle joins us to discuss her ideas on strength, experiences as a stunt woman, and what's missing from action and fight scenes from her perspective. Michelle, thank you for joining us, and welcome to the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be asked to be a part of it. Thank you. So now, contrary to popular belief, stunt women are not a modern phenomenon. They've been around since before even silent films. Can you share with us some common misconceptions about your work and... What initially drew you to it? Boy, that's such a complex um, question with uh, so many eras worth of answers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a fluff free show, so yay. <laughs> <laughs> well, excuse my cough. I would clear my throat. I'm a little bit allergic today. But, yeah, uh, well, I'm going to go with the modern answers for this because that, that really is a complex question that has, um, I think, issues um, – and misconceptions have kind of changed and evolved over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it, you know, it used to be that um, a lot of men would get wigged for our parts, too, because they believed that women shouldn't or couldn't do the same stuff. So men would get wigged and, and fill our shoes. But now we've got some of the most incredible stunt women out there who are really kicking ass, you know, the, yeah. the money makers, Heidi and Renee, um, Zoe Bell, Dana Grant, um, so many, you know, those are just very few of the, the women who are out there currently today. Um, yeah, and I ran across Dana um, Grant on a um, tweet chat a couple of years ago. It was um, the Women Kick Ass tweet chat that yeah, Melanie yeah. runs. Artemis. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, they're wonderful, wonderful people. Yeah. Yeah, she's amazing, um, you know, and she's she's uh, traveling all over from New Zealand to here and um, really is just one of the women who I, I greatly look up to um, as a fairly, well, extremely <laughs> new woman in the, the stunt industry, although I mm-hmm. have a pretty extensive acting background and film background. But, you know, to get back to the question, some of the misconceptions, I think, um, would have to be that uh, what people think we can't do, you know, um, mm-hmm. that we're not strong enough to do certain things or to take harder hits um, or that we don't want to. Um, I also feel like 
we constantly get uh, entangled in our character descriptions. Um, so, you know, one of the big problems that I've, I've noticed is um, women characters are written to always have less clothing on <laughs> than yeah, your male characters. That. Yeah. yeah, I wonder why. Um, and that also um, can sometimes hinder us from taking safety precaution precautions uh, that, you know, men are able to take. But, uh, you know, because we're unable to do that, we are taking the harder hits, and we are taking the harder falls, and we are getting banged up and scratched and bruised and hurt more often, um, and we're exposing ourselves to more. So it's funny that that misconception is there because we're getting our asses kicked, and, uh, yeah. and we don't have the pads to cover for it. So... Um, you know, I think that is a misconception. But women out there, you know, the less clothing you see on that character, more than likely the less padding. And we try to find ways to do it. But uh, women, we take we take the harder hits. Yeah, and, you know, because the, there was a discussion, and it's still a discussion today, don't get me wrong, but um, a couple of years ago about a woman in a fight scene, and they're superheroes, of course, and it's like, yeah, I'm going to go up against this 300-pound guy, you know, and so I'm going to go grab the perfect gear for this, a corset, my heels, my fishnet pantyhose, right. and I'm ready. And it's <laughs> don't forget your nail polish. <laughs> yeah, don't forget your nail polish, girls, you know, and to curl your hair. Um, Jeez. Hopefully... <laughs> Yeah, no, anyway. Uh, <laughs> but. And I get it. Like, you know, we want to be beautiful. Like, I, you know, I'm still a feminine woman. Don't get me wrong. Right, I love to right. put on the glittery gown and do my nails and my hair, you know, but and put on the nice makeup and look good. But, you know, I if I'm going to... In, you know, I can't speak for all women because I do go to the gyms in L.A. and I do see the makeup and the hair in the gym. But when I go to the gym, I'm sweating my ass oh, off. I'm doing work. work. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's work. I'm there to work. I'm not there to look good. I don't care if you see me with my eyebrows painted exactly. on today or not. I am sweating them off anyways. So, exactly. it's, you know, that. Um, so I get that actresses want to be beautiful and that, you know, sex sells. And I get that. I understand that for writing and that, yeah, that is important. And you do see it with men characters too um, but you see it far more with women to where it sacrifices the reality of what would be happening in a situation like that and I think that's where I appreciated films like Kill Bill mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. the bride I mean yes. she looked she rough it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. she was rough and she looked rough in, a, in so many scenes and like that's real I, yeah. I love that and Zoe Bell did a phenomenal job um, you know, doubling for Uma and, and bringing that character to life and, and making it realistic. So I think that that part was written really well. And, um, and I think that it, it uh, kind of steered clear of a lot of the misconception of, of stunt women and um, strong women characters. Exactly. So knowing that, what um, initially drew you to the film? For, for stunt? Yeah. Um, well, I have like, always... Like, why didn't you stay in acting, you know? What made you want to go out and, you know, beat somebody up or get your butt kicked, so... <laughs> <laughs> I was doing it already. I could get paid for it. Why not just get paid for it? Uh, no, I, you know, <clears throat> I've always been a bit of a tomboy. I've always been an athlete. I've played a lot of team sports, and I've ridden horses since I was a kid. And um, growing up in Florida, we're kind of backwood folks. So, you know, mudding trucks and dirt bikes and rally cars and, you know, illegal street racing and all the shit we're not supposed to be doing but we're doing, <laughs> and we're asking you to hold our beer while we do it. It's, Heck yeah. You know, I'm, 
I'm from the parts of the South where we have a good time. So, you know, I just kind of grew up already doing this stuff. And when I found out that there was a need for it, I found out through kind of the wrong way, and it's the way that a lot of people find it. And it's, uh, hey, we need a special skills performer. We need a surfer today, or we need somebody on a dirt bike today, or we need, we need mm-hmm. a special skills performer to ride this horse. But we're going to pay you non-union rate, and we're going to not have a coordinator on set. I didn't know the difference. What the hell is a coordinator at that point? I'm just an actress mm-hmm. who also happens to surf. So whatever, you're paying me and I get to surf. That sounds fun. So it just kind of like was a natural progression of doing these things and then meeting people and hearing, hey, you're doing stunt. You need to be under a coordinator. And I'm going, a what? Wow. What's that? So as I kind of ventured further into that and realized that what we were doing was risky and what productions were doing was cheap, I -hmm. learned that I needed to be going about it the right way. And I got introduced to the right people, and that's when I met my current um, boss and mentor, and um, he's a lot like a dad to me, Tony Vela from Bay Area Stunts. He Mm -hmm. took me under his wing and kind of showed me me the right way to, to approach things as a stunt performer. So it was just kind of a natural progression of, you know, here's a performer already on screen who has these skills and and needs to now be safe about it, not only for my own benefit, but for the benefit of every action and stunt performer out there that needs to be kept safe. So that's just yeah, kind of how it happened. I guess that... Um because you have that, you know, coordination, not only is that a buffer, but it also shields you from some of the injuries that you mentioned, at least lessens their impact as well. Um, do you mean I'm um, do you mean coordination by foolish like, decisions that people would make who aren't aware of what goes on into oh, it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, you need a coordinator because a coordinator um typically has had, you know, several hundred hours plus on set or typically way more. A good coordinator mm-hmm. is part of the union. They have been performers themselves. They understand from the inside out of, of what's needed and necessary for the skill that you're having to perform because they've done it already. Um, yeah. They specialize in that. Or they, if they don't, they know who to bring in that does. So say you have a coordinator who most of their experience is with vehicles, but they have a martial arts scene and they need to keep people safe. They're going to bring in um, somebody who's a fight coordinator and uh, or a choreographer for that and understands um, the real safe details and the dynamics of the fight to make it look real and to keep the players safe and to keep people on set safe too. That's the other thing is people don't realize or think about that. It's not just about keeping the stunt performers safe. It's also about keeping your camera crew safe, your grips, your lighting, your producers, everybody who's sitting there watching the monitors, making sure that nothing comes crashing in or um, blowing up or uh, causing any extensive damage to the set or the people on it. So it goes goes way far out. It trickles out to keeping everybody on the production safe. Awesome, awesome. That's another one of those examples where people consider things to be an expense rather than an investment. So, right. Yeah. But you yeah. get what you pay for, right? Exactly. And so, and that's what we're seeing is an issue in a lot of these non-union right-to-work states is that, you know, they're either required to bring non-union people in or they just cut cost corners 
by bringing non-union people in. And then you're, you're nixing the experience, you're nixing the, um, the education that they have behind that, and the safety uh, calls that someone of a higher level and a higher caliber and of the union would take either by law and regulation or mm-hmm. just by their own common sense and, and good, um, you know, experience. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's not worth being messed with. Um, and people have died. What we do is dangerous. Um, yeah. You know, people get seriously hurt and injured and, um, and die with this. So it's, it's a matter of life or death, and it's not a corner that should be cut. Exactly, exactly, because that's valuable. Life is precious. Now, right. other than um, movies, of course, and the exhibition stunts like what um, I'm dating myself, Evil Knievel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, the we're not the Evil Knievel, so we're, we're a little more calculated than that. <laughs> so where, where else do we see stunt women that we may not actually realize? Um, if you go to a theme park, right, I'm from Orlando, uh, we have a lot of wonderful stunt performers and stunt women who are in our theme parks um, doing the stunt shows there. You see stunt women in commercials. If you're watching a, a commercial, that's typically not your actor who's happy driving their family in the suburban through their nice, you know, home, dropping the kids off to school. You know, that's a stunt performer. Um, Seriously. You know, commercial, yeah, commercial just, driving is... Yep, yeah, just to drive from point A to point B and um, wow. take those beautiful turns on those PCH uh, roads. I mean, that's that's something that I do is commercial driving. So um, okay. your stunt women are doing that. You see them. Uh, if you're watching a movie, now this is something that people don't realize. Um, when you're watching a film and uh, everybody thinks, you know, you're going to have a stunt performer that's doing the wire work and the big explosions and that, and of course you are, but mm-hmm. what you also don't realize is that extra in the background who just ran and took a trip at a fall. That's also a stunt performer. Um, so we're everywhere. Anytime anyone's getting hit or taking a fall or bumping into a wall, more than likely you're dealing with a stunt performer. Wow. Wow. Right before your eyes, you know. Right, I, yeah. That part about the driving, I totally wouldn't expect that because I'm picturing, you know, Matthew McConaughey being, you know, cool and <laughs> drive, you know, and it's like, right. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Right, 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 right. <laughs> <gasps> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, uh, no, it, you know, and if, uh, and sometimes that's even the stunt performer's hands on the wheels, you know, it might not even be your actor. So, um, and video games, that's another one. Um, I've done, I've done performances for video games. Your motion capture work can be a lot of stunt performers. So, yeah, you know, you're seeing animated things come to life. They're generally modeled by stunt performers, acrobats, people, gymnastics professionals, people who can get the moves down correctly so that your animators and your video game designers can make it as realistic as possible. Wow. Yeah, see, that's awesome. That is awesome. My son's... um my, one of my sons is pursuing professional gaming, and so periodically we watch um, different videos together, and uh, one of them was true enough, you know, the making of this video game. I'm not going to say the name, but anyway, and this 
lady had sensors all over her and then they brought two other guys in and you know the same thing and I'm watching this because you see them um, in front of the green screen and then they show the section in the game where it was I'm like how cool is that so it's not all CGI it's not all computer programming they're actually you know live people behind this so yeah Right, it's all kind of mixed and mingled to make it as realistic as possible, and that's the yeah. amazing thing about the technology advances that we've had um, for gaming and for movie. And I think where most people got really familiar with that was when Avatar first came out, and there was a lot yeah. of behind-the-scenes footage that came out, and people were just their minds were blown. Oh my gosh, look at them in the you know the motion capture suits and the the cameras around their face to capture all the really subtle facial movements and um, expressions, and then all the green screen work. And, and now we've yeah. seen a lot of it with Game of Thrones is a really um, a really great example for just super advanced um, stunt work. Rally Erlom has an Instagram page that I love to follow. He was the coordinator for Game of Thrones. And mm-hmm. uh, he shows a lot of that behind-the-scenes footage of that green screen work with his stunt performers. And, you know, he's got people in their fire suits jumping off of, uh, you know, 20 and 30-foot-plus um, green screen walls into boxes and uh and doing wire work and you know he's got some of the stuff on there with uh with the performers that the actors and actresses who are up on top of the machines that are simulating the dragons so mm-hmm. it's it's very cool stuff and it's fun to follow and and um get an inside look at at what they're doing as coordinators and stunt performers using that CGI technology that's also another reason why I'm glad that you are our guest for this segment because it is because technology has changed and advanced so much and it's really easy to think that when you see an animation oh somebody just drew that you know we have different computer programs like we have the engines like um, Unity and Unreal Engine and Blender and you know you have so many different softwares out there so it's really easy to think that I'm sitting, you know, behind my computer, my laptop, you know, and I'm creating these without considering that, wait a minute, there's actually a human that's helping me to do this and bring this to life. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I think that um, what people should keep in mind is the more realistic it looks, the more likely it was real. (laughs) Uh, You just don't understand that it was done with green screens and cameras and motion capture, but someone was actually doing that, that, um, that movement. Yeah, that that's that's great. That's a great quote right there. Um, so when I was little, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted I wanted to be a nun, a truck driver, really, and, and a gymnast <laughs> all at the same time when I grew up. Okay, so it, that's quite the mix. Obviously, yeah, none of that happened. Um, <laughs> but, oh, but, um, you know, how did you know? Because you shared with us how you became, got into the stunt industry, but how did you know that it was actually the right move for you? It's funny because I was just talking to somebody about this the other day, about how I have um, had that same experience of like, I'm going to be a vet. I'm going to be a horse vet. (laughs) That's too many years of school. I'm not going to be a horse vet. I'm going to be a singer. Okay. Nope. That doesn't make any money. I'm going to be an actress. Okay. Nope. I really don't like hanging out with actors. Just kidding. I do. I'm, um, <laughs> but, you know, you, you have all these big dreams and, like, you go for them, and, um, and they don't 
end up working out for whatever reason, there mm-hmm. has been this phenomenal synergy with what I'm doing here now. And it's almost as if it's, it's effortless. It's like a good it's like a good love, right? Mm-hmm. Like all things are going to come with work, but there's a difference between like the work that's good for you and the work that's not, right? Yeah. And it should still feel pretty effortless. I still go to the gym three hours a day. You know, I still go and have to like ride my bikes and my horses and take care of them and, mm-hmm. and do the chores and take care of the farm. And I still have to put the work in. I still have to take the time training. I still have to be on the hustle. I still have to pay the price for what it costs to hustle. But it, it doesn't make me feel like, oh, what am I doing? You know, yeah. it makes me feel like, yeah, what are we doing? Let's do yeah. the next thing. Like, I'm excited, you know. I'm excited to do it. It makes me stoked. And then every time I'm on a set and I work, it makes me feel more stoked. It just keeps stoking that fire and that passion and that drive, and it just keeps getting better. And then as that feeling becomes more, more opportunities present themselves, and it's like they kind of fall in your lap. And I feel like with anything you do in life that you're meant to do, with any people that you're mm-hmm. meant to be around, that's mm-hmm. kind of how it happens. It's just, it's natural. It's a flow, you know. It's, it's yeah. um, you're able to be like water. You're able to just kind of move and flow with everything that's happening, and it's synergetic and it's beautiful. And that, that is how stunts has been for me. It's just kind of picked me up and carried me along with it, and I have never been happier with a decision I've ever made in my life, other than mm-hmm. having my daughter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And how old is your daughter? She's 20 months old. (laughs) My voice cracks. (laughs) She's 20 months old. She is uh, walking, talking, running, jumping, playing, climbing, you know, horses, riding. She's not riding yet, but she wants to. (laughs) Vroom, vroom. She sees my bike. Vroom, vroom, vroom. You know, she's funny. And she she loves all the stuff I'm doing. I came home from a ride the other day, and I did a... I came in on a rear tire slide through my driveway just playing around, and she was so mm-hmm. stuck. She was just laughing. And <laughs> she just loves it. She loves it, you know. And I give her all the bad ideas, but I teach her how to be safe <laughs> about it first. So it's uh, it's great. I love her. She's my best little friend, and I love her so much. And uh, oh, yeah. it's funny because I, I got a lot of flack from people, not in stunt, but uh, in some of the acting community about choosing to take a break and have a baby because um, mm-hmm. before I had her, I was really focused on my acting, mm-hmm. and I was training, starting to train stunt, and but I hadn't really, like, you know, I'm, I'm that new to being fully committed to this career. I, after I, after she was six months old, I really, like, threw myself in it fully immersed, and I feel like that time off that I took just to, like, clear my head and have a kid and get my shit straight and my priorities straight. Can I say that? I have not finished You uh, already did. You're good. <laughs> it, it, was said. it has been said. Um, to, get, to get my priorities straight and figure out what I wanted in life, um, mm-hmm. she kind of brought that clarity to me of like, hell yeah, let's do this. So yeah. I've been fully committed to being a stunt woman since then and not letting my focus stray anywhere else and um and it's just been one magical thing after another kind of happening and and she's along for the ride and she keeps me in check and the best part is i'll always double check every little safety thing because i got a baby to get home to so she uh she keeps me grounded and keeps me safe and i couldn't be more grateful for her in my life 
Yeah. And see, and I think that's wonderful, too, because she's growing up with this as her norm. And she's seeing every step of the way that she has both the ability and the freedom to push her limits and to define life on her own terms. So it is right. almost like, you know, what better environment can you grow up on? I, oh, you I know, remember, and, the, and the grandparents don't always love it. <laughs> you know, they don't always love it, but I see it like that. And, and I'm creating yeah. opportunity for her, too. But also she's going to learn to be her own strong, independent woman. Right. And she's going to know that nothing, nothing, nothing withheld will ever you. hold her back but yeah. her own her own fears and her own inability to do something. But it never, never at the price of someone else's um, exactly. say so. Exactly. Yeah. Now, in line with that, though, in regards with that, um, so you made the decision but what it means to be female, what it means to be strong, these are things that a lot of women still seem to struggle with, even to this day. So yeah. along that course, did you have to face any of your own internal biases, your own demons of some type? As a woman, like looking at it from no, my own demons to just make in general? Peace. Um, because it doesn't sound like that was much of an issue to you because you strike me as having always been adventurous in some respect. But yeah. before you actually, you know, made the crossover and like, yeah, I'm a stunt woman. Did you struggle with any of any of your own notions about what it meant to fema be female, what it meant to be strong? Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I had okay. a baby. There's okay. nothing more confusing in the life of a um, of an athletic driven woman mm -hmm. to stop everything you're doing, put your own hold your own life on hold and and to sacrifice your body in mm -hmm. that way to have a baby and then now there's this societal and moral obligation to like who you are supposed to be as a mother at the same time. And mm -hmm. that was really hard for me to get through and figure out what the fuck I was doing. I don't right. know if I can say that, but I said that too. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to drop them all. Drop all the bombs. No, um, <laughs> I'm going to leave them all. I'm going to leave them all. <laughs> good. Uh, yeah, I think that I got into this fight with myself about, um, you know, what it meant to be a mother and like, okay, do I stay home and raise a baby and, you know, clean mm -hmm. the house and do all these things that I'm morally supposed to be doing to be mm -hmm. a proper mommy or um, do I go back to work? And I think, like, um, so it's funny, like, I, I typically take my daughter with me because I'm fortunate to have my mom around who can travel with me. Um, oh, awesome. So when I have to go to location to film something, um, my mom will tag along and uh, I just, you know, buy an extra ticket or something, and um, my daughter's under two, so she travels for free, and so she's been able to kind of tag along, but just recently, because I'm starting to go on longer jobs and I'm starting to travel um, more and to branch out, I have to um, do what's best for her, and that's keeping her at home, so 
um, mm. where she can, you know, be in a familiar place. And now she's at an age where she's like, she's learning more skills. So it's easier okay. for her to do from home, you know, with her father around. And, um, you know, my mom is around when I'm not. So it's, uh, the struggle really has been in that separation of like, okay, I've got to go back to work, right? Like, I can't take the baby with me all the time. So it's, uh, I think that that's, been a constant battle i'm still battling it you know okay. like uh there's there are some times where i might catch myself crying going, am, I doing, am i doing the right thing oh my god yeah. am i doing the right thing am i a good mother uh, you know but that's but of course that's so silly like she's happy she's got yeah. such a cool life and i'm setting up i'm setting up a future for her of opportunities that she wouldn't otherwise have so you know she'd be able to create them for herself i'm sure if she wanted there's not a doubt in my mind this girl is um She's a pistol. She'll she'll get yeah. what she wants out of life, whatever she wants. I don't I don't doubt it. But um, but by what and I'm I think doing now, great the success that I made. mentioned that you know you're still battling, but you know oh, you're yeah. still you haven't stopped and you're finding your own way because there is no one way. And I think that something that we forget and get lost day to day as we live is that there's no one way to be a mom. There's no right. one way to parent, and each of us are different. And so you finding your way through and living your life and the legacy that you're going to leave to your daughter is totally different than the way I'm running my day, living my life, and the millions of other women. And it's not about competition. Right. It's about, you know, this is how we go forward, but this is what's meaningful to us, and we hope to lead the way and at right. least have some of what we do be good. So, yeah. For your I family and good. for your home and for exactly. everybody's so different, right? And like, exactly. But I also... Also, I've been so fortunate to meet some amazing women in this path of me discovering and pursuing and um, becoming more successful with this career. And I'm mm -hmm. meeting women who have been doing stunts forever and have raised families. And, you know, now they're running uh, successful businesses in the stunt industry. And then I'm meeting other performers. And, you know, I know we mentioned Dana Grant before, and it's great because, um, you know, I talk with her sometimes about stuff and follow mm -hmm. what she's doing with her kids. And her son is, is hopping in on jobs now, and wow. they're having a blast wire him up and, awesome. and uh, putting him on shows. I think he did uh, Ash versus Evil Dead, and wow. uh, and I just love it. I see that stuff, and I'm going, man, that's so cool. And I know my kid is going to want to do stuff because I already see she gets so excited. <laughs> you know, I've taken her, I've taken her to training with me a few times because my my boss loves her. You know, Tony is like uh, we call him Uncle T for her, but. Um, and everyone that comes and trains with us just gets a kick out of her. But she loves to just roll around on the mats, and she sees us practicing rolls or falls her hits, and she's kind of she's joining in on it already. She's and, uh, right around with it. <laughs> yeah, she loves it. So it's um, you know it's it's cool, and I love. I'm so inspired by these women, and I'm so inspired by Dana and and all these other uh, beautiful ladies out here who are kicking ass and and raising kids, and um, some of them doing it on their own, and uh, and some some of them with the help of their family and um you know everybody's got their own dynamic and yeah. um it, but it's amazing and the kids are happy and i think that's where sometimes we can be so self-defeating and we can we can allow our fears to take such um control of the wheel in our life that we create these yes, scenarios in our heads that are so much worse than the yeah. reality so 
Yeah, yes we can. And you know, I got to imagine that when your mom is able to travel with you, that that's got to be freeing in some way for her because she came up in a different time where what you're doing right now was right. probably looked down on. You know, it wasn't even permitted. So, um Yeah. Well, she was a hippie. So, I mean, she was out there saying fuck you to the man anyway. <laughs> You know, okay. She was doing naked bike rides in San Francisco and, you know, streaking through, you oh, know, the campuses wow. in Florida. But, yeah, I mean, uh, she thinks it's awesome, you know. Uh-huh. She she uh, has always been my number one fan and the most supportive person in my life. And uh, we've had our ups and downs because life's hard. Um, yeah. But but she has stuck through it with me. And um, out of, I think, everyone in my life, she's always been the most supportive and always encouraged me to be strong and to stand up and to um to kick ass so she um she has been along for the ride she supported me through my horse adventures she would always be ringside with me when I was competing you know jumping and falling off horses and getting dragged and (laughs) and she's doing the same thing she's ringside when I'm falling off horses and getting dragged so I know, that. <laughs> you know that's cool <laughs> right <laughs> so she you know it's it's great it's a, a wonderful thing to share that and I also you know I have a really wonderful um set of other women in my life I have a godmother who has been like a mom to me my whole life and from mm-hmm. the day I was born and she's also very encouraging and I think some of the stuff I do can freak her out but she's always so excited she'll call me oh my god I just saw that <laughs> that commercial you put out oh my god I just saw that clip you driving oh my god I just saw that thing you did I saw you doing the wire work oh my god you're kicking ass so I love wow. it. it it feeds me because they're so yeah it's like what you said like they didn't get to do that stuff and you know yeah. sometimes it was discouraged and so to see see your kids out there doing it it's fun and my stepmom too i'll say i have to mention my stepmom because my stepmom of like 25 years she's always encouraged me to brush it off when stuff hurts and Mm -hmm. um so i you know my my fondest memory of her is when i got knocked down i fell down in a driveway and this like stupid pebble hit me in the head it was the dumbest thing but it hit me right in the right place in my head and you know head wounds really bleed it hit me right in the right place in my head that it just gushed and of course I'm freaking out because I'm seven. I'm like, what the hell? Like, my face is, like, freaking covered in blood. And she's going, yeah, that's a 10. That's awesome. Good job, you know? And so I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. I guess it's cool, yeah, okay. I could just imagine other people in a neighborhood was like, what's wrong with her? Oh, my God, she's dying, yeah. She's like, no, she's great, you know? And she's also the one, you know, seven years old, sticking me on a dirt bike, pushing me through a field. I'm freaking flying through a field in Virginia on a dirt bike eating total shit and she's going that was great get up and do it again you know so I mean she's always encouraged me to be tough and to take balls and take hits and so I think that uh, I think that I owe her a lot for being able to be a a hard hitter a ground powder good with my motorsports and um, always stoked to uh, to lose a tooth and get it replaced Gratefully, I haven't done that yet. I'm not going to lose, but she'd be the first one to. She'd be the first one to be like, "That was awesome. Take a picture." Oh my gosh. Okay, so in light of that, um, what do you think is the number one thing standing in the way of women overcoming themselves? And I know that question is loaded, but yeah, uh, I want to hear your thoughts. The answer's in the question. Yeah. The answer's in the question. Say, say it one more time. What do you think 
is the number one thing standing in the way of women overcoming themselves. Of women overcoming themselves. Uh That, your answer is in the question. It's ourselves. There is nothing in the way of us overcoming ourselves but ourselves. It's our own fears, our own inhibitions, our own precautions, in our own belittlement. Mm. I posted this thing today, and, like, granted, like, 90% of the shit I share on Facebook is total sarcasm, and I don't know if most people get that or not, but, like, (laughs) I'm just full of shit so much on there, just posting funny things, you know, and it's sarcasm. But a lot of, like, a lot of my humor can sound pretty self-defeating, too, but there's truth to it. In my world, there's still truth to that. I stand in my own way a lot of the times. But the meme I posted was something like, you know, um, I may not be the most beautiful woman. Uh, or no, no, it's, uh, am I the most beautiful woman? No. But do I have an awesome personality? Not that either. Uh, but do I wake <laughs> up every day and try to be the best person I can? No, I don't do that either. <laughs> you know? Wow. So it's, uh, it's totally self-defeating. And <laughs> but it's, it's honest. And sometimes our own honesty, um, if we can't look at it and laugh, and get around it, then, because um, there is truth to that, but if we can't get around it and laugh at it and just accept it for what it is, then we dwell on it. And then we're like, oh my God, I'm not the most beautiful person. I'll never get this job. I'll never get cast. I'll never get, I'll never um, move forward in life. I'll never find a partner who loves me because I'm not as beautiful as mm-hmm. these models, these actresses, and these, these A-listers and I don't have you the money to afford the beauty, right? Is looking at and you, you don't want them anyway, right? And well, you know. and here's the thing with our business, right? You know, stunt is a little different, but let's go back to the the acting part, right? Because we're yeah. still talking about writing for women, and action actresses are mm-hmm. often who we double, and these women are forced to fulfill these beauty standards that, in stunt, we can get away with not necessarily filling because we are doing such badass stuff, and we're hiding our faces while we're doing it. So, but they have shoes to fill with societal expectations and media expectations of how they should look how skinny they should be, how much they mm-hmm. should weigh, how their body should look, and they're doing everything from cinching their waists to, you know, getting their lips injected and yeah. getting Botox and using, you know, $500 facial creams. And, yeah. Right. They're changing their bodies to meet other people's expectations instead of finding um, their, own, their own beauty and their own uniqueness. And right. And the people who have those expectations don't even live up to them themselves. So. All right. And, and, yeah. and they look, you know, when they look in the mirror, they don't see what um, everyone else sees because it becomes the risk of, um, you know, psychological damaging uh, right. issues like, like body dysmorphia. And that's definitely something that, um, and it's not just actresses, it's actors too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other thing is, you know, you've got these most beautiful people in the world who are out here filling these shoes and then they get on the cover of a magazine and they get photoshopped to hell. So how does that right. help them? How does that make them feel? They're already having to meet these unrealistic standards, and they're still not good enough to where to in in the eyes of these editors. And um, and I think that uh, the way that we write for characters, and the way that we write our scripts, and also. It's, it doesn't just rely on the writers. It relies on the audience, too. What we accept, if we accept bullshit, we're going to mm-hmm. get bullshit. If you eat and pay for it, they're going to keep feeding it to you. So yeah. Yeah. if we don't demand better treatment of our entertainers and better treatment of women in the roles mm-hmm. we, we are writing and in the roles we're 
fulfilling, then we're not going to get it. And, and it's just as much riding on audience members as it is anybody else. Yeah. Not all action sequences are actually fight scenes. So right. with your background, you know, as I read your brief bio at the opening of the show, you're able to do so much. So how do you select your work and what makes a project, I guess that's what you call it, a project, a job, what makes that actually enjoyable for you? That's a good question. Uh, I have a lot of skills, and you'll meet a lot of stunt performers who say they have a lot of skills, but they are not constantly working on them. Something that I'm mm. blessed to be able to do is stay home and work on stuff. I don't work a nine-to-five. I don't have a, a side job that prevents me from from constantly working at all this stuff. I'm I'm diving on weekends. I'm underwater, mm-hmm. you know, every week. I'm out surfing as soon as there's a swell. I'm on my horses daily if I can be. Um, mm-hmm. I am, you know, in cars practicing what I need to do and um, taking my bike out. I'm very fortunate to live in an area of California where I have a lot of open wor- roads with a lot of turns and a lot of areas to practice Um, my skills. So I'm constantly working on them. And so I pick my jobs based on, A, what's offered to me, (laughs) because, you know, you can't be too picky, but um, based on what I'm capable of doing, if, um, you know, I make sure I get a very thorough description of what's mm-hmm. required, and, um, and and sometimes you'll show up on a job and it's not at all what they told you it was. I've, oh, wow. uh, sh- you know, gone on a job thinking it was going to be a piece of cake, and they made it sound like a piece of cake, and then really it was as complicated as it could be. And, oh, um, and it works out and everything's good, but luckily that's because I have also, I have a mentor who prepares me for those situations, um, but not everybody does. So, um Unfortunately, that can happen. Someone could think they're going into something easy. They end up for something more complicated, or there's, they're working with a horse that's more complicated than they're capable of handling, and they mm-hmm. get hurt. So you have to make sure that whatever you are taking as a job is something you can handle, but also that the people you're working with are reputable. So that's another big thing. Whenever I'm offered a job, I get all the information I possibly can collect on who is on this job, who is running this job, who is the coordinator, um, what's their experience, what's their reputation, um, who's the safety team, like what's, what's involved in this. And then I make sure, you know, safety team, anyone that's working safety or anyone that's working rigging or anyone that's in charge of making sure that I don't die or get hurt, those right. are going to be my best, my best friends. Those are my best okay. friends. They are keeping me alive. So, um, I make sure that I have good relationships with those people or that if I haven't worked with them before, at least somebody that I know who is reputable has and they can vouch for them. So, And I think that goes for anyone in the stunt community, um, even when they're hiring performers, often that's where coordinators uh, will make their decisions too, is, is this person reputable and safe? Am I familiar with them? Have I worked with them before? Um, and can I rely on them to, to pull this off safely and with the skills that are necessary? So um, it's kind of even across the board with that, with taking jobs. 
as a stunt woman. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't just take everything. And if I feel like I am incapable of doing a job, if someone asks me if I'm capable of doing a job and it's not in my realm of possibilities, I'll refer someone who is. Uh, because it's not something to screw around with. This isn't acting. This is not, um, you know, something to be taken lightly. And I think a lot of performers do go wrong with that. And mm-hmm. the market can be oversaturated sometimes. And people will say that they have skills that they really honestly don't have. And I don't think a lot of people don't realize, too, that, yeah, I have all these skills, but I've been doing this stuff since I was a kid. I might not have been a stunt performer, but I've been on bikes and horses and in cars and and doing um, things with motor vehicles and underwater and surfing and diving and free diving. I've been doing all this stuff since I was a child. Yeah, it's been a part of your life. Right. This has been integrated into my life for, you know, over 25 years. So, um there's people out there who have been doing it way longer than that. So um, it's it it's not something to be taken lightly, and I encourage all performers to be 100% honest. And the other thing is, too, I'd rather be honest. If someone calls me up and says, hey, Michelle, I need you do, to do a full-length car hit, right? That's mm-hmm. not a skill that I've done before. I haven't even learned. I can do a car hit up, uh, you know, up the front and into the windshield and down but if someone asks me at full length i say you know i don't i don't know that skill i have not done that skill this is what i do know and then they can make the decision if okay well you know that you know we'll have about a month or you know a few weeks to work on that so we'll teach it to you and then they're going to get the proper safety and the proper instruction and they're going to set it up if they really want me for right. me to learn that skill but if i am honest about what i know then they'll keep me safe and if not and they don't have time and they need somebody to do it right you know tomorrow then you know they'll find the person that has that skill and that's the right thing to do yeah and i mean even more so within your field because what people can be so afraid to lose an opportunity and you know being but by yeah and but by being honest you lose absolutely nothing but in this case you can actually lose your life you You can lose your life and you can lose jobs you know that's the other thing is people are so hungry for work that they'll uh learn stuff really 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 quick and like okay i've got uh i've got a clinic that we're doing at our farm in northern california for horse archery mm-hmm. and it's an introduction clinic we're just it's it's simple intro stuff it what they're not going to be able to leave here and then get a job on you know the new lord of the Rings series as a horse right. archer it, they're not going to learn that skill here that's something they're going to have to continue to pursue on their own and be honest mm-hmm. about but it's an introductory and and um, but they need to be honest. People who leave that clinic need to be honest about that because um, people will find out real fast. And so if you lie about that skill, if you say, yeah, 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 I have horse skills, I have horse skills, but all you've done is taken some lessons in a round pen, right, then right. you're going to get found out when you end up on set and you go to do a simple job and you can't do that or your horse exactly. gets spooked at something and you get hurt. And you know what? You're never going to get called for a horse job again. and right. Or you might even lose your reputation with other things you do. So people find out real quick. And it doesn't matter if you went and took a week in class over at the Harley Davidson dealership and picked up an M1. If you haven't been riding bikes and you show up and you dump that bike or you mm-hmm. don't even know how to properly start your bike and you're screwing it up, then you're going to get found out and you're going to become that person that bullshits everything they say. So you have to be really, really careful about that because it can ruin your career and it can endanger your life and the lives mm-hmm. of others. Yeah, and that's the reason why, you know, thing, why people as well as situations become a liability and that's not a place that 
uh, anyone needs to go to unless they can absolutely help it. From your perspective, and this is another one of those somewhat loaded questions, but I'm leaving it open-ended because I've learned so much even just in this discussion discussion, um, and speaking with you myself. But from your perspective, should the focus be on making action or fight scenes more realistic or is there something else that we should be focused on. And by we, I'm referring not only to yourselves as stunt women, not only to the industry, but to that partnership that you mentioned between the writers and the audience. Mm-hmm. So should we be focused on, you know, making fight scenes more realistic or is, is there something else? Is there, are we missing something? <laughs> We're all missing something. Um, so... Here's the thing. Writing, film, theater, scripts, stories, books, it's all art. And you have to make what you feel like making. And so if you're inspired to make something that's full of fantastic fight scenes where you're going to have to wire your actors up and fly them across Chinese gardens or, you know, you're going to have some fantastic weapon tricking um, you know, and flare mm-hmm. on uh, on their weapon skills that are completely unrealistic when it comes to legitimate combat or uh, historically accurate events, that's fine. Write that. If that's what you're inspired to write, write that, because we still love those things. We don't want to make things so hyper-realistic that we lose sense of imagination and fantasy, because that's important, too. And I think that's something that... I have learned to appreciate every day being a mother of a young child is while I want to teach her the reality of situations and I want her to learn the reality of situations, I also never, ever, 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 ever want to diminish that spark of fantasy and imagination that's in her because that, that's what helps you get through the hard shit. So if everything's so realistic, when we're having a hard time, what the hell are we going to watch to give us hope and optimism to get through the next thing or to kind of escape our horrible realities? So keep writing that stuff. Mm -hmm. Keep writing that stuff. No one should tell you what to write or what the content should be. Now, that being said, a complaint that I do hear a lot from people is that Things can be oversaturated. So, you know, the Marvel comic universe, which I'm a gigantic fan of, I love yeah. them. I love, I've been reading the comics since I was a kid, playing with action figures. I geek out. And I love all the movies, and I would love to be in those movies. And, like, trust me, like, I'm a total fan. But if everything is always written like that, then it gets kind of oversaturated and and then you then you've got you know 20 minutes of footage of somebody spinning a staff around their head or a sword around their head and like nothing's actually occurring and that's right. where we like the fantasy like game of thrones where it's uh you know it's it's fantasy but yeah you know they're really like they're legit like trying to murder each other so it's right. um you know you get a little more reality and even then you know for people i've heard a lot of complaints about like the the um war scenes not being realistic as into like what a knowledgeable um you know 
uh, veteran would do in those situations. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, you you got to have a healthy balance. Um, I would definitely like to see more realism um, with women in fight scenes, and I would like to see, uh, you know, I love martial arts films. They're great, but Me sometimes... Too. When, yeah, they're amazing. I think, uh, there's nothing better than a good kung fu film. Yeah. Like, I can sit and watch them all the time. I love them. But um, when all when you're using really realistic martial arts in films, it doesn't show up on camera that great. So you can't be right. too realistic all the time, right? Because right. some of the movements are so small. So um, yeah. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I would not call myself a martial artist. I started taking martial arts after my daughter was born because I felt it necessary for me to be able to provide good protection for her on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the stuff that I've learned is things like Aikido and Budo arts, and they're done so quickly and so, um, like, like it's like air moving when it's done right. Like, you, you yeah. you're like, what? What just happened? And they don't transfer in that over good into they don't. the visuals. So, right. Yeah, so, very so there powerful. is a need there's a need for um, a certain level of imagination to make it um, read well on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, you can't be too realistic. I think what I appreciate is when the personalities are written realistically. And I think that um, due to current political climates, oftentimes with uh, writing characters, especially for women, um, get so lost in these agendas, whatever they be, um, mm-hmm. that you lose a sense of reality. Like, like it's so like they're trying to push these issues so so much, these opinionated issues so much that they're losing actual personality in them. So I would say writing for real people, personality-wise, mm-hmm. is more important than writing. A hundred percent realistic for for stunt uh, or for fight scenes because um, it doesn't always transpose well. Um, but yeah, but yeah. we also don't want to look at something and go, well, that would never fucking happen, you know? Right, right. <laughs> Unless you're doing something like high fantasy and the person's right. an alien, you know, and you've st- right. established that story logic, then yeah, that's it, helpful. It's a timing. It's a place and timing thing, you know? Right. I agree. So, what's next on the agenda for you? Well, I uh, I used to be on Twitter, but I'm no longer on that platform um, because it's just, no! uh, it got way too political for me. And and oh, while wow. I have while I have my own um, concerns and issues that I like to be a part of in my spare time, I try not to um, I try not to mix it with my business. Gotcha. And so gotcha. I had to I had to really like step back from that platform. So I am on Instagram, okay. and my handle is at Shell Shock Stunts. And um, I'm on there. I talk with people a lot on there, and uh, I'm also on Facebook. I have uh, an industry page for people who I work with under Michelle Elise Shock, um, but there's also a fan page that I interact with my fans and my followers, and um, that's the one with the little blue check mark by it. So um, mm-hmm. you can find me. You could find me on uh, those two platforms. As far as what's next for me, um, currently I'm like in between jobs. I'm down in L.A., and I'm doing a lot of training down here with some really wonderful people. And um, I've been working closely with uh, Tactical Black L.A. and uh, joining in with um, Tim Storms and his his wire training and uh, doing a lot of work down here as far as prepping 
to get the next job. Um, you know, I'm constantly working on my skills and, and uh, prepping. So, um, and in August, I've got, uh, well, actually, first, I'm going back up to the Bay in, uh, in like, a week or two, and it's my birthday. Oh, and, uh, happy early birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I'm spending the day at the track drifting cars. Uh, so, oh, so cool. You know, work is play. <laughs> yes, 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 uh, yes. And then um, in at the end of August, I'm hosting a uh, three-day archery clinic, horse archery clinic for stunt performers, um, and it's an introduction clinic. So, you know, like I said earlier, I think I mentioned no one's walking away from this able to pick up jobs doing it, but I thought it would be fun and a great way to network and to also, um, you know, get assessments on people and to um, help those who already kind of have the skills there, wanted Mm -hmm. to polish them up, and, um, you know, I I love clinics. I'm not much of a a daily teacher for this stuff. Um, You know, my my instructor, Hillary Merrill, who's going to be the one doing the teaching for the clinic she is that's that's kind of her thing um but uh but the clinic is a great opportunity to just to kind of get together and hang out and play and um awesome. learn a few new cool things so and I've where got that can going they on find and, out more um about the clinic where can they register and sign up for that so um the clinic uh there's a flyer on my instagram and i'll probably be sharing that again okay. here soon um that has all the information on that and it's also on my Facebook page, but if anyone is interested in attending, SAG after performers definitely have uh, the priority, and um, there is a writing assessment um, uh, period for anyone who needs to use a horse or lease a horse for it, um, and you'll have to qualify. Otherwise, those that don't qualify, we have a simulated writing uh, portion with a drag, like a tow-behind vehicle that you can shoot from on the course just to get a sense of uh, what dynamic archery is like. So, um, mm-hmm. And they can email me at... Um, M-E, me, at michelleonscreen.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. Like I said, I learned a lot during our conversation. Um, It's been wonderful to hear your insight and just to have you as guests. We went off on a few tangents, but I (laughs) believe that even those were helpful. So, heck yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's easy to do. I like to uh, I like to talk about issues and and interesting topics. So this was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me on, and I'm honored, especially with uh, being kind of a stunt baby myself. I'm I'm um, a newbie to this world, and I'm surrounded by some phenomenal women who are constantly inspiring me uh, to just kind of make a legend of myself. So I'm hoping that one day I'll uh, succeed with that. You definitely will, and we'll be sharing you you on from the sidelines. Thank you so much. (laughs) And thanks again to our listeners for tuning in. We'd like to hear your feedback and greatly appreciate your support of this podcast. You can do both via the Anchor FM podcast app or on our website at strongwomenright.net. And once again, if you're in the Atlanta area, we'd love to see you at our June 29th Better Fight Scenes workshop in Peachtree City. You'll actually get to participate in the demonstrations, such as the same with all our workshops. Details and registration are at the website 
Until next time, this is Chris Bond. Thank you so much for joining us.